What's going on, party people? This is Sports Ethos' very own The Bird Rights Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Bagel, and I have our first external guest today. I have Yossi Goslin from Hoops Hype. He's their um, salary cap and front office expert. Yossi, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Stephen. How are you? I'm doing well. So for those of you who follow Yossi's work, he recently, I believe yesterday, published a trade deadline guide over 10,000 words talking about every team, what to expect at the trade deadline. So I wanted to have Yossi on. It would be the perfect time, given that he just released that article, to just, you know, talk about what to expect from these teams at the trade deadline. Sure. Yeah, let's get to it. Of his $33 million salary. I know about people that have certain clauses what in their contract. What happens next year with Giannis Tenacupo? He will be eligible for a Supermax next summer. If he resigns, a new reality is the players are going to move around and the players are, are, are not going to want to spend their whole money in a life. And because they didn't want to go into the penalty of the luxury tax, they traded James Harden. Somebody's going to be making $50 million a year. He probably could have made a little bit more money this summer in free agency. I think agency. he could have got a lot more in the offseason. You got a chance to secure the bag. You got to secure it, No question. Okay, so the first team we have is the Atlanta Hawks. I personally believe, and again, you could tell me if I'm wrong, I believe they kind of made their big trade already in Cam Reddish. I think it was the worst-kept secret in the NBA that they wanted to move Cam Reddish. And because, you know, they couldn't really extend him. We'll see them doing anything. I know you mentioned Danilo Gallinari due to the fact that he only has five mil guaranteed next year and they're going to be in the luxury tax next year. So do you see them making a bigger move or do you think, you know, that was kind of the move to expect from them? Uh, I don't know. That one's tough. I I don't really think they're going to make like a – I wouldn't – I don't really think they need to make a huge like – uh, significant change to the lineup right now. Um, I think if they're going to do some really big changes, maybe that should come in the offseason. Um, you know, like I talked about with Michael on the Hoops High podcast today, we, like, you know, maybe they want to get uh, Jeremy Grant or something. I, I, I have written down was Jeremy so, Grant. I don't, I don't know. I don't think they need to do something like that now. Maybe I think it'd be easier in the off season once they could move everybody. Like Capella will be available in the off season, and it'll be easier to move Herder. Not necessarily saying they should move those guys, but um, I think it'll it'll be easier in the off season if they really want to change things up. But um, Gal, just trading Gallinari for an expiring contract, maybe that makes sense, just because then they don't have that partial guarantee and they save a little bit more money. And um, obviously, there's the DeAndre Hunter um, contract extension looming. So they're going to have to, you know, they just paid Kevin Herter, they paid Capella, they paid Trey Young Collins, signed Bogdanovich. They're going to get expensive quickly. And as you noted in the article, they will be a luxury tax team or projected to be next year. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. He's just mentioned Jeremy Grant. And next up, we have the Chicago Bulls. And in that article, you mentioned Jeremy Grant as a potential target. Not just Jeremy Grant, but, you know, they need a power forward, especially with Patrick Williams missing significant time. So you have Robert Covington, Marcus Morris, Jeremy Grant. Do you think, again, I don't know if Pat Williams is considered untouchable. 
I think if the offer was right, they would move him. But, like, in the Jeremy Grant scenario, they really don't have many picks to offer. Do you think, then, in that scenario, Patrick Williams would have to go? Um, I, I would think if they really want Jeremy Grant at this point, I'm sure there's going to be better offers than what the Bulls can offer without putting Patrick Williams. Uh, with that said, I don't think they'll put him on the table. Um, like they can offer something, I, I, you know, something they could offer would be salary filler, Kobe White, and then the Blazers pick, which is lottery protected over the next uh, six, seven years. So I, I'm sure, I'm sure the Pistons could do a little better than that, but um, I, I just don't see the Bulls parting ways with Pat Williams just yet. And then Kobe White. I actually have in my notes here, I think it's a full-blown conclusion that he's traded. Just because, you know, they're pretty depleted with assets. And he started off the year pretty rough. I had Keith Corp, who is our Bulls enthusiast, on the pod a few weeks ago. And he said, I wouldn't trade Kobe White right now just because his value was so much lower than it had been any other time in his career. But he's been playing really well recently, especially since, you know, he had to step up with Lonzo Ball down. Zach Levine was out a little bit. So I think this might be a really good time for them to move Kobe White before he's extension out. Um, I know he's been, he had a really rough start, but now he's kind of turned it on a little recently. He's been a little better. I, I like Kobe White. Like, I think he can be like a Lou Williams-type six-man in his career. Uh, might not help you in the playoffs, but, um, you know, definitely a good – good bench player to have i think like i'm a little higher on kobe white than a lot of others so i don't think they have to trade him right now but you know at the same time i'm not sure what they're gonna get for him right now i don't you know if you if they're gonna trade him i'm not you know unless you're doing some consolidation for a jeremy grand type i don't know what you're gonna get alone for kobe white yeah well again wouldn't sell too well on him yeah, we mentioned the Robert Covington and Marcus Morris, but I think you could get those guys without including Kobe White. Yeah. So, okay. And then let's move on to the Houston Rockets. Obviously, they have a mix of veterans and young guys. They have, you know, Eric Gordon, Daniel Tice, Christian Wood, David Nwamba, DJ Augustine. Those are really the guys I'm looking at. Now, as, as I just said with Kobe White, I think I personally think he's going to get traded at the deadline. I think it'd be very wise for the Rockets to move Christian Wood because, I don't know, he's been a starting center on a bad team the last three years. So I'm not sure how good he would be on a contender as, like, the fourth option type guy. I like what he brings. I like he's a 3 and D type center. But I don't know. I just feel like the Rockets with Alpin Shangun in the fold now, I think this would be a perfect time for them to move him, especially with him having one more year left on his deal after this year. Now, you do bring up a good concern. I do wonder how Wood would hold up, like, in a playoff rotation with a contender. Um, well, so I think with – and but I think the main thing, like, it, the main argument for trading Wood now is just because he's got another year left on his deal. The team that gets him now could try to sign him to an extension this offseason. Um, and then for Houston, you know, you probably can get a little more for him now than if he were an expiring contract. Um, he's – I, you know, for the most part, seems like uh, the same putting like the same same player production wise as he was last year. So, yeah, definitely would make sense. Um, 
I'm sure they're I'm sure they're you know just doing their due diligence, listening to offers, and uh, we'll see. I'm very I'm just very curious to see what Houston does because they seem like a team that could do some very big selling in regards to Wood, Nawaba, Eric Gordon, um, DJ Augustine. Uh, sure, I, I'm I would imagine they'll try to you know maybe one of these guys get moved at least. We'll see. Yeah, and Eric Gordon, he's been playing the best basketball he's played in years. So I could see a team like, I don't know, the Lakers poning up on him. They, again, they don't have much to pony up. But a Taylor Gordon, Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, and a first-round pick is the best they could do. I could see them throwing that at a guy like Eric Gordon. Um, I don't think the Lakers necessarily need another shooting guard right now. But I see but the value, I, I think you, you could – I think the value, though, that's kind of there. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, please take a quick moment to follow at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on Earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Follow now. Okay, and then the next team I want to talk about is the Indiana Pacers. And most people, you know, they're kind of expecting the Pacers to be the most interesting team at the deadline. Where do you see them right now? Because obviously they just hired Rick Carlisle as a coach. He's not really going to want to oversee your rebuild. He's a win-now coach. But at the same time, they are in a position where they do really need to blow it up. So I know you and Mike were on the podcast today, and you talked about the the bonus trade value being similar to what Nikola Vucevic was traded for last year. And that's multiple first. That's a young guy who was Wendell Carter Jr. And then the Bulls even ate Otto Porter's salary last year to get it off the Magic's books in order to get Busevich. So Sabonis is even five years younger than Busevich was. So may, I can't imagine that him going for even more than that. But do you think just because of how high the ass is going to be that out of the three of Sabonis, Turner, and Levert, Sabonis is most likely the one to stay put? Oh, I don't know. I I wouldn't be surprised the Pacers just do nothing, to be honest. Uh, But I think everyone, I think, you know, I'm sure people around who follow the situation, I'm sure people expect Sabonis to be the one who stays the most. At the same time, I think if they get blown away, that he can very much be had. And the Vucevic type offer is something that I've been pounding on for a while that I'm sure that offer is out there. Maybe it's the Kings, maybe it's the Wizards, just two teams I I could see making a strong offer like that and have a, could really use a guy like that. So yeah, if they're, if they get that offer, I think they got to seriously consider it. And then you mentioned Chris Levert as a possibility for Cleveland's. And I believe you mentioned it was Ricky Rubio and this year's lottery protected first. And yeah, then, that, that, that's like an offer that like a lot of people who, you know, who like speculate. It's like it just seems obvious. So it, 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 it just make it just seems like it makes sense because, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of opinions on whether Levert's wor- even worth the first round pick or not. But if you are going to trade a first round pick, I think a, a late first round pick like the Cavs, what, like what will be the Cavs this year could be in like the early 20s, you know, it's. It's not terrible, and they could really use the, uh, you know, long term. I think Levert might be like a Jamal Crawford type 
um, like coming off the bench secondary playmaking and some some like real good scoring, killing second bench, uh, kill, killing opposing benches. Uh, so if you know a, a late first round pick for for that, I think you know for that type of player, I think that's you know I don't think that's terrible. I think that's fine. Okay, and then Miles Turner. Those I don't want to say speculation, but it seems like the two teams that he would fit the best with would be maybe Golden State. I know they play a lot of small ball, so maybe they don't want to invest heavily in the center. But definitely a team like Charlotte could utilize him. So is there any other team aside from those? Again, I'm kind of asking you to just on the spot. Is there any other team you could think of? Or do you think those are really the two that we'd be looking out for that would shape the Toronto trade market? I think there's a couple others. But now with his foot injury, I don't know if he's going to get moved. So... We'll see. I, I would really like to see him in Charlotte. I just, you know, Charlotte can keep their offense, their their top three or four offense with Turner and really improve their defense, which they really got to improve. Golden State's interesting just because, you know, I'm going to be interested in seeing what, what the Jazz do, what the Suns do, what the Nets do, what all these other contenders do. Because if, if enough of these teams make a move, i got to wonder if the Warriors might consider trading some of their recent picks and or future picks for a guy like Turner or Sabonis. Um, I think still most likely they stand pat, but you know if they get one of these guys, that might really swing things in their favor. Let's talk about Golden State while we're on the subject, because I was just on the Warriors um, pod the other day for Sports Ethos, and I, what I was reiterating was that they're in great position. Because they have, you know, these young assets in Wiseman, Kaminga, Moody, even Jordan Poole. They have all their own picks, and they already have the second-best record in the NBA as things stand. So, do you th- – it's hard to say because you really don't know how they value James Wiseman and Kaminga and all those guys and how far they think they are from the championship. And they probably have a little less hesitation to push all their chips in, given they've just won three championships in a five-year span. But do you foresee them making that move? Or I know it's all speculation, and you really don't know how they value those guys. But what do you foresee for them? I think they'll probably just keep everybody. I think they're really – like, it's very hard to contend and build towards the future at the same time. A lot of the times I just – that could, like, work against a team – Kind of like with like the Pelicans right now. I think they were, you know, trying to uh, develop Zion and all these other recent picks, but they're also trying to make the playoffs at the same time. And I think that really messes with expectations. And you know, now there's there's been the rumors or reports that Zion might not be totally happy there. So, but the Warriors, I you know, they're they've got a shot to win the title now, and they've got some something to look forward to after Curry, Clay, and Draymond are, are gone. So the, like the real, like long-term, like if you can do both at the same time, that's what you want to do. And looks like that's working out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they, you know, to look, it, it's really wise to start building towards that next decade or so. So I think they'll just, just stay patient. So the Clippers, they're in an interesting predicament because Paul George and Kawhi are both out. 
So I, I, I know the luxury tax bill is huge. I don't know how concerned Steve Ballmer is about paying it and then paying the repeater tax because he's by far the richest owner in sports. So, I mean, I'm doing my mock trade deadline right now with 14 other owners that are all helping me out, each negotiating his two teams. And we actually were speculating a trade like, this is before Paul George got hurt, but we were speculating like them making a move for John Wall. So next year they would have their playmaker to play alongside Kawhi and Paul George. Now that obviously looks a lot less realistic. So you mentioned Marcus Morris and him likely being moved to like the Jazz, the Suns, the Bulls, or some of the teams you, you named. Do you think that's probably more feasible at this point that they shed the salary and try to cut back on the tax rather than, you know, push all the chips in for next year when Paul George and Kawhi are healthy? I, I don't necessarily think they need to do anything right now. Um, yeah, you, you're right. Money's not an issue for the Clippers, but I, I think it's just more about trying to like try to get a couple more assets and, get more prepared for the next title run next season. So, like, if you can trade, if they decide, okay, you know what, uh, Morris, he got two years left on his deal. Maybe we could get, like, a late first-round pick for him now, and that might be more valuable uh, towards a trade later, or maybe we see Morris starting to uh, regress a little bit. If you can do something like that, uh, yeah, maybe save some money, but the main thing is that you know, try to keep, put yourself in a better position to build around Kawhi and George next season. So, I mean, I think if everyone was healthy right now, the Clippers would be right in the picture with a lot of the other top teams in the league. But, you know, things can change. A, a player could fall off. So I would just, like, like one, one other benefit about saving money, just like if you could trade these guys, for nothing, you get a nice big trading exception, and maybe you could get a little asset, and now you've got some uh, some more ammo to trade for somebody else. Uh, maybe that trade exception could be uh, more valuable than these players on their contract next season. So that's just what that the evaluation they have to make, and just what what puts them in a, a better position to contend next year. So uh, we'll see what they do. Speaking of contending next season, the Philadelphia 76ers. So I heard you on the podcast with Mike this morning talk about the possibility of James Harden. It's, I would say, highly unlikely. James Harden isn't going anywhere by the deadline. I, think, I don't think Ben Simmons is going anywhere by the deadline. So what do you think is the best avenue for them to pursue James Harden? I mean, the Sixers, it'll be extremely difficult for them to create the cap space to outbreak sign him. They basically have to get off Tobias and Ben Simmons without taking any money back by free agency. So do you think the best avenue sign and trade would hold cap them? So do you, I'm not too familiar. I know Chris Paul did it back in the day with Dowell Moore to go to the Rockets, and that was opt-in into it and then get traded that way. So do you think that's the most feasible way for James Harden to go in a trade to the Sixers? Or do you think uh, Trade would still be the best alternative. Opt in and trade just because, um, like, if you're the Nets right now, you want to give. And Harden seems like there's reports that he communicated that he intends on testing the market. And if you're Brooklyn, uh, I think that opt in and trade option will still be there 
Philly could, if they want, like right now at the trade deadline, trade Tobias and Simmons, try to trade them right now for expiring contracts, maybe get some picks, and that would put them in position to gain capsules. But that's really risky because Harden could just end up not going. So if if he's still interested and you know he wants to be a sixer at that point, uh, then the opt-in trade just makes the most sense. Uh, Harden doesn't lose money. Um, the Sixers can just trade for him. There's no hard cap, and uh, the Nets could probably get a little more stuff. You know, maybe along with Ben Simmons, you can get some future picks, recoup some of those picks you originally traded to get uh, for Harden. Maybe get a Tybal or a Maxi. So I'm sure that uh, that opt-in and trade uh, scenario will be there if yeah. he really wants to go to Philly. That's what I think as well. So, hey, we have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Trap up with Thrive Fantasy on the mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code ETHOS when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks, plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night, score points when your props hit, and the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team of podcasts for advice on winners. Again, that is called Ethos over at ThriveFantasy.com. Another team interesting that's kind of in the same boat as the Indiana Pacers that they're not quite yet in the playing game, but they have pieces they could move and don't know if they really want to fully rebuild, and that's the Portland Trail Pacers. So... In your article, I believe you mentioned a likelihood of Robert Covington and Joseph Nurchik being traded, mostly because they're expiring contracts. So rather than, you know, if you're not planning on resigning them or you're not able to resign them, you're better off trading them and recouping some assets for them rather than letting them leave for free agency. So what do you think the likelihood of Covington and Nurchik being traded are? And what do you think they're going to do with CJ McCollum? If anything. I have no idea. Honestly, like, I I would think that it just it would make sense that they do end up trading Nur- at least one of Nurkic or Covington because they already have this luxury tax crunch heading into next next season without them. But I don't know who I, you know we, this is a brand new front office. I'm who knows what what they want to do. Um, I I would still say like especially Covington. There's definitely just seems like there's a lot more reporting on interest with him. Uh, if I had to guess, I between one of them, I think very good chance Covington does get moved. I think he could you could plug him in on so many teams. Uh, with McCollum, I would think that there is a pretty good chance that he also gets moved at the in the off season, uh, just because with the luxury tax crunch that they're gonna have. Like I'm looking at it right now, they're gonna be. Um, they're like now, like with their pick, like let's you know, let's say they're gonna be like 30 million below the tax, that's with like seven players. So, you know, you can't really, you can't really resign both Covington and Nurkic, and Anthony Simons is, gonna, is also a free agent. You can't probably, re, you probably can't resign all three, probably can't, might not be able to use your whole mid level. If you can break up CJ's contract into, or you know, trade it to like maybe like a twenty million dollar player, get a little bit more flexibility, then I think uh, you could start to fill out the roster a little better. But that also just depends what direction do they want to go. 
because it seems like they want to keep Lillard to make things work with him. So I, I think they are going to reshuffle the deck. I think they're going to have a pretty... I think they might have a pretty different team around Lillard compared to this year. Um, and yeah, I mean, that might... Uh, there's a good chance that might mean that McCollum might not be there uh, after this season. Yeah, and you know, you see the two small guard lineup hasn't. I know they made the Western Conference Finals the one season, but the two small guards, such a liability on defense. They fired Terry Stotts because of how poor the defense was. And then, you know, it's not much better. So, okay. The Oklahoma City Thunder. You mentioned that they're $20 million below the salary floor. So they're a prime candidate to eat contracts to get more picks if they need more picks, which honestly, they already have, what is it? I think 38 in the next seven drafts, something like that. Maybe. I don't know. I lost count. Yeah. So here's a question I have that you actually didn't mention, but I've actually been speculating it a bit. What do you think of the possibility of them trading Lou Dort? Because I know he's on a minimum. He's probably, he's just about one of the best contracts in the NBA, but he doesn't exactly fit their timeline. I guess he does because he's only, what, 21, 22 years old. But he's going to help a contender way more. He's going to help a rebuilder. So I could see them trading him to a team like Utah and getting another first-round pick if that's an avenue they want to go. Again, they have more picks than they know what to do with, so I don't know how feasible it is. But I think Ludort might be a sneaky dark horse to be traded. I can see that. I I see where you're coming from. Um, I would probably keep him, unless you get some gross overpay, like... You know, two first-round picks, maybe. I think at that point, maybe you want to consider it. But um, I, I like Ludur a lot. I think I, he can fit on the timeline in the future and, and now. You know, what? Oh, I don't think OKC is that far off. I, I like. I don't think they need to do this for like more than another season. Eventually, they got to cash out their chips, and you know, Dor. I don't know if he's he's you know playing on OKC definitely probably inflates you a little bit so I, it's unclear if Dort's like really this all defensive starter guy or maybe he might be more like better suited off the bench or something it's a little unclear but I think he's more I think he's more the former I think he's that good like he can be a really good uh, starter on a really good team so. If if OKC sees him that way, I don't think you move him. Um, and you know, you, like you could, he'll become extension eligible in March, and they can give him something like uh, fifty six over four, starting next year, which I think that's fine value. So, uh, yeah, could he get traded? Yeah, I could see it, but I think most likely they keep him. And the Sacramento Kings, I mean, they're, they're going to be going on year 16, uh, assuming they're going to go in year 16 of a playoff draft, which would be the longest in the NBA, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually believe you have that in your article. I think that's where I read it. Yeah. Um, they have chips, though. I mean, Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, I think they should personally sell off. I know the urgency to get back in the playoffs. Your fans haven't seen it in 15, 16 years. But they have pieces. I mean, I think they're closer to rebuilding than they are to contending still. So why not cash in on those pieces and just you have Tyrese Halliburton and he's definitely a piece. De'Aaron Fox, you know, he's underwhelmed this year, but he seems to be some kind of piece, whether that's your piece or a trade ship for another team. 
But so what, which direction do you see them going? Because I, they, they have like this peso syndrome where they could kind of go either way. No, I agree with you. I, I, I think they need to take somewhat of a step back, especially with their veterans like Barnes healed. Like if I was, if I was, you know, if I had to say in this, I would probably just temper expectations, sell off some of these veterans and uh, just, you know, focus on the draft a little more, try to rebuild them. Like they've done a pretty, like so far under Monte McNair, they've done a really good job. Draft Tyrese Halliburton. I think Davion Mitchell could be very good. Um, but it just feels like there's been, like like they, they, they really want to compete. They seem like the team fighting for a playing spot that wants it the most. And I... I just feel like they're going to want to uh, try to get into the mix and really get into the play. And I don't think they want to have that record for, you know, most longest playoff drought. And um, I, so, and you know, they, they have all their picks. They've got some movable salaries. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I'm, I think, I, I don't think they should like I, I could see them seeing what Phoenix did getting Chris Paul what the Bulls did with all their moves and just getting to the getting into like contending status very quickly and maybe thinking like that could be us. Uh, I don't think so. I don't really think so though. Um, I would definitely do a little bit of selling, take a step back and try to plan for the next two, three years. Yeah, I, I think that's the obvious for them to go. Meanwhile, the Boston Celtics, they have this trade exception, but they they just made that Wancho Hunter Gomez for Bull Bull and P.J. Dozier trade to try to get them out of the tax. Presumably, they will be out of the tax by the time the deadline passes, or at least by the time the season ends. So I have a prime trade candidate for them being Dennis Schroeder, because since he signed the one-year deal, they don't have his bird rights. So what's the avenue for them to re-sign him? I mean, they would have to go into the mid-level exception again, correct? Because they're not going to have cap space. Well, his non-bird rights start at seven mil, uh, seven mil for the first season. Okay. So I think that just more of a if if you're Boston, on like I, I don't know, like I'm I'm a like I like shooters fine. He's a good backup, but what like. Will he get more than that? I'm starting to like wonder what his market really is. Is he going to get the full mid-level? Because um, I think that's the difference between... I feel like maybe he'll get full mid-level offers, but that's only like a little more than what the Celtics can offer him uh, if they want to bring him back at that. So um, I would... All I'm saying is that I wouldn't be... Uh, surprise if he if they keep him and then he ends up coming back to them i um i'm really unsure what his market is like if he if he ended up with them on a one-year six million dollar deal in the first place i wouldn't be shocked if he can if he comes back where he's making like eight to nine million a year yeah and we saw he had virtually no market this summer already yeah so he looks you know a lot of people are calling him on twitter because he turned down that lakers extension but what are you going to do? Yeah. Okay. The Charlotte Hornets, we already touched on a little bit, just when we talked about, like, Miles Turner. And basically, they have their offense set. I mean, they're one of the dev- they're one of the most fun teams in the NBA to watch, and their offense is completely deadly. But as you said in your article, 
They really need to improve their defense. So that's going to have to come internally because they're not going to have the cap space to do it. So they're going to have to make trades. They're going to have to somehow improve that defense. So a guy like Miles Turner, a guy like Christian Wood isn't the defender that Miles Turner is. Joseph Nurchik could, I guess, hold his own against bigger guys. But a guy like that, they need that defensive anchor that they don't currently have. So I think P.J. Washington is the first guy that comes to mind because they're going to have to resign Miles Bridges this summer, and then P.J. Washington is extension eligible next year. So it's going to be difficult to give Washington that extension with all these other guys. They'll get expensive quickly. So do you foresee you know, a trade like that happening, like a P.J. Washington and a first-round pick? And then I guess Sally feels like a Mason Plumlee or Kelly Oubre for one of those guys. Um, like if the if the foot issue with Turner is okay, I think the Hornets could get into the mix with a combination of those players. Uh, you know, try to throw in a first round pick. Um, I'm not sure, and it just depends like how the Pacers value these guys. Do they want? Do they if they like PJ Washington? If they like Book Knight? If they like Kai Jones? If they just like one or two of these guys? That could be enough. So it's just a matter of perception. And I'm just looking at the Hornets score. They just dropped 158 on the Pacers. Oh, my God. I don't think I've seen. Has a team scored that much points in a regular season game in the past 20 years? That's a lot. You said tonight they did? Right now I'm looking at it, 158 to 126. Ooh. And, again, we said they needed defensive help. They gave up 126 to the Pacers. Yeah. So. Yeah, they sure did. Let's see, maybe, maybe some of. I'll, I'll take a look at the box score. Maybe some of these Hornets uh, players we were talking about uh, performed well. And, no, you had thirty-nine, so maybe they want him as a salary filler. Yeah, I mean, Jana, maybe not. James Book night four for fourteen. I don't know. <laughs> but okay, the Cleveland Cavaliers. We briefly talked about them when we talked about Chris Levert. I think I mentioned the Lakers fair record, and I think maybe. So we talked about Chris LeVert. I mentioned Eric Gordon for the Lakers, but I think Eric Gordon, you know, maybe could be a target for Cleveland for that um, Ricky Rubio in the first-round pick package. What do you think about Colin Sexton, though? I mean, they have his restricted free agency coming up. They have his bird rights, so they could sign him. There's now speculation he might be back for the playoffs. Do you think he gets moved, or do you think he's going to end up staying put? Are you saying like a Colin Sexton for Eric Gordon type of trade? No, I, I just really brought up Eric Gordon as another possibility because the Cavs definitely need wing help. And then I, I believe Ricky Rubio would be the one going for salary matching to go in an Eric Gordon trade. But I'm just saying, irrespective of that, Colin Sexton, do you think he ends up getting moved? Or do you think Cleveland's going to... Because they're going to get expensive quick if they sign Sexton to a deal this summer. Yes, true. And... But even if, let's say he didn't get hurt and he was going to get offers like in like like the twenty million a year range, uh, they would still be in a fine position to eventually give Garland like a near max type deal and still avoid the tax just because Kevin Love's money is going to come off by then. So, so so they've got so they've got that going on for them now. Obviously, Sexton got this injury, so. I don't even know if twenty million a year is gonna be that. That's just something I, I would imagine is gonna be like the baseline. Had he not gotten hurt, this is like in the off season. Uh, now, I don't know. I don't know what he's gonna be, but it could certainly be a lot less than that. Uh, and I wouldn't rule out uh, Sexton maybe taking his qualifying offer. It's not that high. It's about eight and a half million. But you know, there's not that much cap space out there. 
and his qualifying offer is just a little less in the mid-level. So, you know, there's Detroit, there's Memphis, Orlando. Those are only teams with cap space. Oh, and San Antonio. I don't think any of these teams really speak out as like a Colin Sexton type team. And, you know, maybe in his injury could definitely uh, temper interest. So if I'm Cleveland, I think it's I would be okay holding on to him. I don't think you because I think there's a good chance that you can probably get him back at something that makes sense at this point. And, And even if he takes a qualifying offer, I think I, I think Cleveland should be okay rolling the dice with that next season. Just just he's, we got to see how he fits because, um, you know the the Cavs are just they're they're thriving with uh so especially if they were to get a different guard, um I think at that point they'll just they'll want to see more what what Sexton can do and I'm not sure his trade value is like particularly high right now given the injury. So then the Dallas Mavericks, they're kind of in this luxury tax dilemma because in your article, you basically explained how they're at the, t- at the tax line before you incorporate re-signing Dorian Smith and Jalen Johnson. And Jalen Johnson's going to get that. Jalen Johnson's going to get that maybe $20 million a year that you said Colin Sexton might get pre-injury. So it probably makes sense for them to move one, at least one of them given that, you know, they're probably not going to be able to pay for both. So, again, going back to speculation, there's a ton of it with the Knicks going for Jalen Johnson. So do you think that's a possibility? I mean, I envision something like a Jalen Johnson for Mitch Robinson swap, but then that's still the Mavs would have the same issue that they'd have to then sign Mitch Robinson, but it probably would be less money than what Jalen Johnson is going to come in. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of – Connections going on with Brunson and the Knicks. Um, and, you know, the Knicks, they, like, tend to go after guys with that they're connected to. Uh, so I, one thing that makes sense is that the, the Knicks have the Mavs first-round pick next season, and maybe they could send that back to them. Um, and that would open up more trade possibilities for the Mavericks because now there's less Debian rule restrictions. So... Uh, I, just with Dallas, it's going to be tough to bring back everybody. Uh, that is Brunson and Finney Smith, and uh, Sanders attacks. Like just bringing back one of those guys without shedding salary puts them over the tax. And I don't, you know, they've been good recently, but I don't think this is a team you want to pay the tax for right now. But uh, now I, I, I was already pretty confident the Mavs would do something to address the few, you know, their, their future expenses by moving one of Brunson or Finney Smith now. And now this Tim Hardaway injury just broke his foot last night. I could also, now I could see that also further expediting things. Maybe he gets involved somehow. We'll see. I, I'm very curious to see if Dallas does anything. Yeah. And then we have the Detroit Pistons and everyone kind of has their eye on Jeremy Grant's. So it's the same way the Vucevic deal kind of set up the Sabonis trade value this deadline. I feel like Aaron Gordon last year kind of set this Jeremy Grant's market. And you reported that you think it'll probably take two first and or young players to get it done. So, I mean, I think it's one way or another Jeremy Grant's gone. I don't think he's going to be on this team past the deadline. It, it would be thrown off a smell practice, I think, to 
Uh, maybe not, because they could trade him next deal. But I think, you know, his value is going to be as high as it's ever been. So, what do you think? Is that the appropriate evaluation for Jeremy Grant? Probably similar to what Aaron Gordon, because I believe Aaron Gordon was the first-round pick last year on RJ Hampton. So, what yeah. do you think? something similar? I think the Aaron Gordon type package is fair. Two first-round picks, probably an overpay, but I wouldn't be shocked if someone does uh, offer something like that just because there's so few players as good as him available for trade right now. So that'd be great for the Pistons if they can do that. Um, only only thing, though, is that, you know, let's say you can get Grant for something that's reasonable, like reason, you send reasonable value. He's due for that big extension, about 40 to 112 mil. And if you trade for him, you know, now you're kind of at a, you have like a sunk cost fallacy where, you know, you trade all the stuff to get him and you don't want to risk losing him in free agency because you're not offering him whatever he wants in the extension. But, you know, when you trade for a player was with a contract almost up, you you give him a little bit of that leverage. So just whoever trades for him has got to be careful or more so be prepared or willing to pay whatever it is he might command. Yeah, that's an interesting caveat, but honestly, I didn't even think about it. So. Yeah. Okay. The Memphis Grizzlies. I think the best thing for them to do is, you know, make a consolidation trade. They have three 2022 first-round picks. They have just about the deepest roster in the NBA, and they've had a lot of success this year. So – What do you foresee them doing? I mean, I could see them doing like a Kyle Anderson with his expiring deal, something like that, to maybe they could get in Jeremy Grant's sweepstakes. Not like they even need him, but I see them – I foresee some kind of move being made just because of how many guys they have in addition to all those first-round picks that they don't even have room for. They could definitely do something. My guess they'll do nothing. Uh, they're, they're not going to take any shortcuts. They've been, they're going to, I think they'll still focus on the draft. I, I see them more maybe saving these picks and trying to trade up with them than trying to get some help now. Because if you look at this Grizzlies team, they're getting production from like everybody. Like last week, John Conchar went off for like 17 and 14 or something. Like they're getting... Like you can trade for a good player, but I don't think you're really improving your wins because you already have that really deep bench. You've got Taylor Jenkins just getting the most out of these guys. Like, like they've done a really good job just identifying players on the margins that can that can just help when needed. And you know, I, I don't as I think they should win a playoff round. Um, I'm sure that organizationally they're not uh, thinking about how they can go to the conference finals or do anything like that. Uh, they're, they're good right now. I think like if the right deal comes along, they'll you know they'll have they'll consider it, maybe take it. But there, there's no need. They don't need to do anything. I think they just need to uh, stick to their plan because everything they've done so far has been like an optimal decision yeah and going back to what you just said the Grizzlies really can't miss right now I mean we even saw them stick to their plan when they made the playoffs last year and then this offseason they were they were willing to downgrade from Jonas Valanciunas to Steven Adams because they wanted to move up in the draft and get an extra first round pick so 
you know, a lot of teams are playing checkers and they're playing chess. So yep. it's going to be interesting to see, you know, as you said, they don't need to make a move, but if they do, again, very smart organization, very well coached, great developing. I'm excited to see what they can do. My question for the Pelicans is pretty simple. Are these sellers or buyers? Because they started the year, I believe, 3-15, and 15, and I believe they have a winning record since. So where do they stand? I mean, they're only like a game or two out of the West playing, given how poor the bottom of the West is, the West is right now. So where do you think they're going to be at the time? I think they'll try to be buyers. Um, I'm not sure they'll, you know, I don't know to what degree if they're going to get someone really good or if they'll just get someone that could help come off the bench. I think they'll try to be buyers. Um, but I'm not I'm not really expecting too much. I think they're more I think they'll definitely use one of their trade exceptions though. Um, try to just give up as little as possible and give up as little salary as possible. Okay. And I believe what, don't they have like a seventeen million dollar trade exception if I'm not mistaken? Yep, I don't know what they're doing. So the Knicks. We kind of touched on them. I just want to talk about the possibility of them getting Jalen Brunson, so we kind of talked about them. But the Knicks, what's fascinating is they have a ton of second rounders to, you know, dangle in offers. So I'm interested to see because I thought the Knicks were going to come back down to earth this year. It seems like they have, especially compared to what they were last year. Julius Randle obviously isn't having an all-NBA season like he was last year. They have had some injuries, but I'm interested to see where they stand, whether they consolidate any of those second rounders to try to update a little bit to try to get back in the playoffs again, or... You know, if they wait till the draft, similar to what he said with what the Grizzlies would do. So do you, do you have any gauge of where you think the Knicks stand? Or I don't know. I, it's tough for them to do anything big because I think they really value all their role players. Like, if you want to make a big trade, you basically have to move, like, multiple uh, Fournier, Noel, Burks, Rose, and... That's that's a little trickier for the Knicks to do because they're trying to stay competitive. Uh, you know, they traded a pick to get Cam Reddish. It was pretty small. I I just see. I think something like that is more likely, which is why the Jalen Brunson Jalen Brunson thing makes sense. Trade like maybe another pick to bring him in. You don't really give up any uh, player. You get a little better. So, uh, and also I think. You know, New York, they're going to want to be in the market to trade for the next available star. So you also need to keep your, uh, your, your, you, you know, they got to keep everything ready for that. So try not to give up, you know, too many picks, too many uh, young players. Try to save them in case that opportunity comes along. The Orlando Magic. The only really thing I foresee them doing is Gary Harris is a pretty big number for them to be able to move off of to salary math wise. But Terrence Ross, I mean, they could hold him until next year's deadline because he does have one more year on his deal. So what do you think? Does Terrence Ross get moved this year? Does he get moved next year? Does he get moved in the offseason? Do you have any opinion on that? It just depends what the Magic can get. Um I thought it might have been possible. Maybe the Magic could have gotten like a late first round pick for him last year. Who knows if that was available? And but right now, I don't think that's out there for him. I don't think there's many teams offering first round picks right now. And like the the one team that stands out to me is Cleveland. I could see them trading their pick this year, but I think they could do a good a uh, a lot better than Terrence Ross. Um, I feel like you know he's kind of like a two second round picks type of 
guy right now. So if the you know do the if you're Orlando, do you want to do that? Uh, you know, that's what you got to figure out. At the same time, let's say you trade him for an expiring contract, two second round picks. Now you get a lot more cap space. They're already projected to have like 30 plus million or so. So if you get off that that 12 million, I got him at like 25 million. So maybe so now you're close to like 35, 36 million. So you can do a little more stuff in the offseason, whatever that might be. It's funny that you note the two second round picks for one because that's actually what Evan Fournier went for last year. And Evan Fournier, I guess that that provided more value than just two seconds because he went into Boston's trade exception, so they were able to get off the salary. But yeah, two second round picks is probably about where I think he would be at as well. Okay. So the Suns and the Spurs, I'm going to kind of just link together here. In your article, you talked about the Suns being able to package Dario Saric and Jalen Smith and turn that into up to $18 million for salary matching purposes. My favorite fit here is Thaddeus Young. I mean, Dario Saric played the small ball five for them last year, leading up to the finals before he tore his ACL in game one. And then we kind of saw like a Tory Craig take over that small ball five role. So I know now they have JaVale McGee, so that alleviates the issue to play backup center a little bit. But Thaddeus Young is that kind of multiplier, that Tory Craig, that Dario Saric. So I think, and I believe there's speculation when he went to the Spurs in the sign and trade for DeRozan that the Suns were interested in acquiring him. So do you envision, you know, that kind of player going in that scenario? Or is there a different player you have in mind? Um, I could see the Suns, like, the, I know Thaddeus Young has been linked to them for like since the off season. I think they're like the only team that's really been linked to Thaddeus Young through reporting. And I would imagine the main reason that hasn't been got that hasn't gotten done is because maybe the Spurs were holding up for like a first round pick because Thaddeus Young was really good last year, but they're not really playing him. He's been pretty good in the games where he gets extended minutes, but he's just not playing with the Spurs. And I cannot imagine that's helping his value. If guys like I, I'm a little skeptical that guys like Eric Gordon, for example, uh, like some of these older veterans are gonna be able to get a first round pick back in a trade, and especially for Thaddeus Young who hasn't played in, who he hasn't played in a while. I don't think he's, you know, if some, if anyone trades for him, I don't think they're getting more than Spurs are getting more than like two seconds maybe. And I've, you know, I've seen some speculation, maybe he just ends up getting bought out. Maybe John Sapomer, no one even wants to trade for him. They'll just wait to see if he gets bought out. So uh, if you're the Suns, <clears throat> you know, uh, I think that's a good, like trading for Daddy Suns is a good, like, uh, fallback, fallback. I would try to see if you can, they can get, like, Robert Covington. I think, you know, you can match with, uh, with Sarge. I think just Sarge alone might be enough to match for, uh, for Robert Covington. They um, maybe can offer some extra first uh, second round picks. They have they can offer another first round pick. They're only down one first round pick, which is this year's. Um, so yeah, just like any uh, combo forward they can get, uh, who can be a small ball five, I would focus on that. I, I think it's possible they could get Jeremy Grant if they offer enough first round picks, but I don't I don't think he's going to improve them that much. But if you can get Covington. Or, or Thaddeus Young for a lot less, I think that's the path. 
Sorry? I said Marcus Morse was a guy you mentioned as well. So if you don't, yeah, again, if you don't have to, if the price is right, I think he'd be, all those guys would be really good additions for the Suns. Okay. The Washington Wizards, they're 1.7 mil below the tax. So they're right there. So they can't really take on any salary if they want to obviously avoid being the tax, which I'm sure they do. But I think, you know, I don't want to say a dark horse, but I could definitely see them making a consolidation trade similar to what we talked about with Memphis. Because they're actually, now that they're fully healthy, sneaky deep. I mean, Rui Hachimura's back. Thomas Bryant's back. That front court is pretty crowded. So I do see them making, I don't know what kind of move it would be, but I do see them making like that consolidation type. So is that along the lines of something you envision the Wizards doing or end up staying pat? Or what, what do you think? I think they'll try, but I'm not I'm not that confident they'll do like a consolidation trade. They'll, they'll try. They owe a first round pick to uh, to Houston, which now goes to OKC as part of the Shangoon trade. And it's it's got protect it's got like high lottery protection through 2026. And it's really hard to gauge like the, so like technically they can't really trade a pick to like 2028, but they could trade an earlier pick, like a first available pick. So maybe like as early as 2024, but it's like, it'd be very conditional. So you, you have to make sure that um, you, you, if you're going to trade for a conditional pick, you got to be confident that that pick that they owe to uh, OKC, which like it's it technically a 2023 pick, you want to be confident that it's going to have be conveyed within the first year or two. So then you can try to get like a, a 2025 conditional pick. Well, couldn't they theoretically change the protections on the pick that they owe to OKC to free up, you know, another pick? Yeah, what they could try to do is yeah, either change the protections or maybe do a trade. Maybe they could swap a 2022 pick this year they could send that to OKC and get back their 2023 pick and now you now uh that opens up a lot of different things so they can do that would make it a lot easier to offer more picks if they want to go after Sabonis for example but just too many obstacles to go through that so I I don't think it's going to happen I'm not too sure how valuable how the league values some of their recent first round picks and um you know like I think a lot of their guys all the guys that are like making between ten million to twenty million dollars, they're nice players, but I can't say like anyone's got particularly po- very positive trade value. It just feels like they're neutral and they're like very solid salary filler. Okay, the Brooklyn Nets. I'm looking at what they have, and the cupboards are pretty bare in terms of what they could give. And this is, you know, what happens when they give a four-second non-pick to get off the individual. So I can't really say I'm surprised. But it makes me think that because of that, I know he was really up to salary matching purposes. But Nick Claxton might – I bet today that they don't want to be almost like a major upgrade. But asset-wise, they don't have anything else. So I don't know if they package – like a call for to try to get some up. I don't know what other avenue they could really go. Yeah, like what can a package of Nick Claxton, Joe Harris, maybe you include uh, Cam Thomas, De'Aaron Sharp, like what's that getting you? I don't 
I don't think that's getting you them like really any anything much. Um, you know, and now as far as Nick Claxton, I don't again I don't know what he's necessarily gonna get them by himself. Uh, I feel like I I feel like he's like you know when you when you're dealing with like a a, a player on a rookie contract that's um, on like about to be a restricted free agent, you can't really get that much for him. Uh, historically, when players get traded right before like these former second round picks get traded right before restricted free agency, it's just like maybe you get like a couple second round picks for them. So if Brooklyn trades Claxton, I, I don't think it's so much more that they're giving up on him or they think they could they have something in Dayron Sharp. I think it might be more so, hey, uh, he's he they have an idea of what his market's going to be. Maybe he's going to get a really big offer and they just they don't want to pay that. They might that might maybe they'll perceive it as a negative value. Best to just uh, cash out on him now. The Denver Nuggets. I'm interested to see what they do because obviously with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. out for the year, they're not really in a spot to really contend. So I know they did acquire Vin Forbes just to get more shooting, but and I guess they want to you know push their chips in anyway and try to compete as long as Nikola Jokic is healthy. But I think the best job for them is to get guys who have multiple years on their deal and look for the future. So, what do you think? Is that the best spot for them? Yeah, I think you you hit it right there. Uh, I think they've done a pretty good job these past few years trying to build a bench because they've got their they've got their 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 main three guys. You know, Jokic, Murray, uh, Porter, uh, and then they also got Aaron Gordon. Again, you, I guess he's he's part of that too. And you know, Will Barton's there for now. And then they they've got the the Jay Greens. They now have Bryn Forbes. They've got uh, um, Compazzo and Monte Morris. We'll see if both are back next year. So they're doing a pretty good job at filling out a bench. Everyone pretty cost-effective. And they just need to preserve those guys. I don't think it makes sense for them to... Like, I know teams are going after Jeff Green. Uh, You know, okay, you could trade Jeff Green for like a couple second rounders, but I think Jeff Green's way more valuable to the Nuggets right now and next year because um, it'll be harder for them to build the bench. You know, they'll be limited to the tax pyramid level most likely. And um, so, yeah, they just, I think they just need to continue doing moves like getting a guy like Bryn Forbes. I think there's a pretty good chance they could resign him and just get healthier. You know, I think I, I mentioned that Vlatko uh, Konkar, you know he's got a broken foot. Maybe he's, but he's also expiring. Maybe just get off of him so you could bring in another healthy player. Uh, I mentioned, you know, their backcourt's very crowded. Maybe there's some like veteran minimum sh- uh, musical chairs that could go on with like Brooklyn, Denver, Lakers. A lot of uh, veteran minimums not working out. Like so, I think maybe they could trade Austin Rivers, try to get a big man, like bring back Paul Millsap. So just very minor moves on the margins to get healthier this year, but also get their bench ready for next year. Yeah, I, as I said, that's, I think, the best move for them to do. So with the Lakers, a lot of people always expect big moves from them because of the Lakers. Um, I was on the Sports Eaters Lakers podcast last week, and, you know, we talked about they're very limited, similar to what the Nets. They're not as hamstrung as the Nets are, but 
I mean, Taylor Horton, Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, and then an ex- and a minimum gets him to $20.2 million, as you stated. So, yeah, maybe they could be in on, like, a Jeremy Grant or a Miles Turner, but quite frankly, I think another team's going to come in with a better package than what they could do. So I think the best bet might just be reducing that tax ball. DeAndre Jordan's falling out of favor there. Ken Kuzma's falling out of favor there. So, you know, get rid of these guys. Sign new ones. It looks like they hit him off the BFC. looks like he might be out for 2.0. So what do you think? Is that package enough for them to land a bigger fish? Or do you think that, you know, they'll get beats on the offer of a You know, if you asked me last month, I would have thought there's a pretty good possibility that they could turn Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn in a pick into a guy like Jeremy Grant or maybe even Miles Turner. But now I, I think I kind of realize the value is not – that high in these players, uh, in these Lakers players. I think the re- but at the same time, like, you know, there's reports that they've been offering Taylor Horton Tucker none in like one of their first round picks in the future. I don't necessarily buy that. Like anytime a team offers a, a late, a far out first round pick, I think you like take that out. Like I've, I'm a little skeptical the Lakers have been offering that pick because you don't you got to make sure you're getting something good. Like the Bucks offered, the Bucks traded a 2025 and 2027 first round pick for Drew Holiday, and you know he's like he's not like a consistent All Star, but I I think I don't know, maybe he's like a one or two time All Star, but he's clearly the caliber player that can uh, that can raise your ceiling and clearly help them win a championship. So if you're going to trade a pick that far out, they got to get the right, they got to get a, like a real ceiling raiser. So I, my guess Lakers don't do anything big. There sounds like they don't want to trade Westbrook. Cause that would be a big admission that, that, you know, that they shouldn't have done that trade. I don't think they want, there was like a report that they don't like, that they wouldn't want that optics. And I just don't think Taylor Horn, Tucker, Kendrick Nunn's that package is really getting them anything uh, meaningful. I think they'll just, uh, you know, try to sell off one or two more minimum guys, create the roster spots, and try to get something in the buyout market. And that's kind of it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not expecting much from them. Another team I think that people aren't expecting too much is the Miami Heat. They're basically just exactly at the luxury tax threshold. So they, and not only that, they really don't have any player to salary match unless they're going to move like a PJ Tucker. So Miami, what what do you think? Is that another team? I think they opened up a roster spot for Kingdom Mall, and I think you might have cited that as well. But other than that, I mean, I just don't see them making any anything big. It'd just be around the margins moves. I agree. And, you know, if you you look at what the Lakers did, you look at what the Nets did, they got a lot of players on minimum deals. And I think before the season started, there was a lot of optimism that these were like almost like bargains, getting these particular players on minimums. And a lot of them haven't worked out for the Lakers and Nets. And then you look at the Heat, who I think a lot of people kind of doubted their depth. And they got like just as many minimum players as them. And these guys are playing really well. We got Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, Omer Yurtsman, Caleb Martin on a two-way. These guys are like providing, they're keeping them afloat in the in the regular season. And so 
not these guys probably won't be in the playoff rotation, but they've already got a, a good playoff rotation. So basically, they've got a. I think they have enough to make it out the East right now. I, they're my favorite to to make it to the finals. So I don't think they need to do anything big. They've proved they've had everyone on their on their in their rotations been injured and missed time. And, the and sorry. And they're still the one seed with everyone. Exactly. Yeah. So you know the team's good enough. They were like the best team. In to start the season, and then the injuries started piling along. So all they got to do is, uh, you know, I, I don't think they want to mess with the chemistry. You don't want to trade a guy like, like, yeah, trading Tucker or Duncan Robinson that could get you a, like a that that's your piece for a bigger trade. But I don't even like what's out there realistically that's going to improve them that much more. Like even if they were to get like Sabonis and Turner, for example, who are some of the best players, if, if they were to do something like. Hypothetically, what if they could turn Duncan Robinson and and like a pick into that? You know, they're, they're gonna the pace could get better than that. But even if that happened, I still I don't feel like I think what the Heat have is already so strong. I'm not sure how much more that raises their ceiling because the Heat have just been playing that good. So I think they're fine. They just got to stay healthy. Just create a little bit more flexibility because they're right at the tax. Maybe you could unload Akpala or Haslam. They probably won't, you know, they, they, they won't unload Haslam, but maybe you could unload Akpala, just create a little more flexibility, open a buyout slot. That's it. That's all they got to do. Yeah. And again, you just got to find guys that are going to buy into that heat culture that Eric Spolster and Pat Riley preach. Yep. So, okay. The Milwaukee Bucks. Same thing, unless they're going to move like Brooke Lopez, who. I can't imagine playing a game this season. It seems like he has a pretty serious back injury. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they could package him with like a Dante DiVincenzo, which, I mean, he's fallen out of favor, again, due to injury for Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton. So other than that, though, I mean, you did mention that they could move up to minimum salary guys, and that would save them $14 million in um, tax payments. Mm-hmm. So... What do you think? Same thing as Miami. They'll just try to move off some salary guys, save the money, and then open some buyout spots? Yeah, I mean, they already have a buyout spot open, but, uh, you know, I think maybe that uh, that organization might be a little more, co- co- uh, like, cost-conscious. They already cut Cousins, and he seemed like he was very productive for them. To, they saved a good amount of money. Um so, you know, look, if you when there's like several teams that already have 40 million dollar plus luxury tax bills, when you're spending that much, I think it's fair to question, OK, like who's who are we not playing and can we afford to get rid of these guys? So I, I just know like Rodney Hood, Semi Ojale, for example, they're not really in the rotation. If you could unload them, say 14 million, uh, say, say like say 7 million each in payroll and luxury tax combined, you might as well. And just see who else you can get later, um, but so so I, I think they might just try to you know reduce spending a little bit in that way. Uh, but at the same time, I kind of think the Bucks are a sneaky big trade team. I don't I don't think like I, I mentioned uh, some names like I could see them trying to get like the thing is they don't have any first round picks they can trade right now, so it's it's tricky. But their main asset is, you know, DiVincenzo, if they want to move him. Uh, I think they're, it's definitely in the cards just because you got Grayson Allen, you got Wesley Matthews, you got Pat Connaughton. 
you got all these extra guards right now. Like you got a, a excess of shooting guards. What if you can turn DiVincenzo into a guy like Robert Covington? Uh, maybe you only got to spend a couple second round picks. So Dante, some second round picks, uh, whatever salary filler needed, like George Hill or something. I like that. I think uh, you know you 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 take care. You kind of uh, um, you know you have that logjam at shooting guard, so you take care of that. But you also fill that PJ Tucker type role that uh, that you know that's not there now that PJ Tucker left. Um, then you know you also got Brooke Lopez's salary if they want to. If they had a first round pick, I could see them um, trying to like turn him into a Rashawn Holmes or a Christian Wood or Nurkic, but they don't have that first round pick. Uh, but so, so it's like I could see them getting a center with with Dante in picks, but I think they might want to prioritize getting that uh, that Robert Covington, Thaddeus Young, Marcus Morris type like we discussed earlier. With me next year. Yeah. Okay. The Minnesota Timberwolves, the only thing I really jotted down is that they'll likely be a third team in any Ben Simmons trade to help facilitate a deal, but I don't think Ben Simmons is going to be traded by the deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Minnesota does have expiring contracts in Torrey and Trance and Patrick Beverly, so I don't know if they could, you know, they do have all their own picks just about, so maybe they package both of them with picks, or maybe it seems interesting like a Jock Nakoji type. I don't know, but I, I could see that just because they have the salary matching and the expiring contracts. I could see them facilitating something. Stop it with that. You know, uh, so yesterday there was that report by Jake Fisher, and he was talking about how the Hawks are trying, or like a might, or like trying a little harder to move John Collins. And I was thinking, honestly. Minnesota, I they could make that happen. Like he makes a lot less money than Ben Simmons, so it's a lot easier to get it done. Obviously, it won't cost as much. Uh, I think you could throw him into that Ben Simmons, Miles Turner, Jeremy Grant, uh, those names I I threw out. So yeah, the Wolves they can definitely do something. Uh, but you know they also gotta try to they're like very tightly trying to avoid this the luxury tax, so they gotta be careful with that as well. Um. I, I don't know. We'll see. Like Minnesota, it's it's tough. Like I could see them doing something big, but like it would definitely come by surprise if they do. Like, like I I wouldn't be shocked, but I I would still be surprised if they're able to do something big like that. Yeah, and again, they, they have the expiring contracts and salary matching to be able to accomplish. Yep. So the Toronto Raptors, they're another team that's basically right at the tax threshold. Uh, I guess the biggest, no, not the biggest trade piece that trade chip they have, but they have Goran Dragic making 19 million. I think he has the fattiest young syndrome that we just talked about, where people are just expecting him to be bought out. Because I think one way or another, he's ending up in Dallas. So whether Dallas wants to do like a Dwight Powell, who is Canadian, and maybe you probably would, Toronto would want to have him for that reason, and they need his center help, of like a Dwight Powell, Moses Brown, and maybe you need to add something else. For Dragic, that's the extent of what I see Toronto. But again, Dallas probably knows that Dragic's going to end up getting bought out. So why give up anything? Yeah. Get Powell's money, of course. Right. I mean, I don't think that trade with I don't think Dallas will do that. Right. I, I think they'll. I think they'll just try to hopefully get him in the buyout market. Um, I'll we'll see. Like I think. 
there's a good chance that even if Toronto does trade him, it could be it could still be a team that's not really going to trade Draga, just like a type of trade that they're just going to buy him out later, which is interesting to monitor because let's say the Raptors. So I put one trade as an example. Like, what if they traded Goran Dragic and like some second round picks for Eric Gordon? So now it, Goran Dragic is on uh, a rebuilding team like Houston. Uh, they don't have a need for him, so they could buy him out. Um, if so, if Dragic is traded and then bought out, he can actually go back to the Heat because <laughs> yeah, when you're traded twice and then bought out, you're allowed to go back to the team you were with the previous season, like the Andrew Bogut rule. Yeah, I don't even think about that possibility, but no, I think that's. I mean, and if you're Dallas, I mean, look, Goran Dragic is he's good, but like, I mean. I wouldn't trade for Dragic out of fear he might go back to the Heat. Again, that's just speculation on my part. I just it's just something to keep in mind. He could go back to the Heat if traded and then bought out. Yeah. Okay. And then the last team I want to talk about is the Utah Jazz. And you mentioned in your article multiple times they really need a defensive-minded wing. So you mentioned Marcus Morris. You mentioned Robert Covington. I know we talked about Lou Dort earlier, earlier with OKC. I would love if the Jazz were able to acquire Lou Dort. So a guy like that, um, I don't really know. I'm assuming they'd have to throw in like a Rudy Gay or a Royce O'Neal to make it happen. Obviously, Lou Dort's on a minimum, so they could facilitate that easily, given well, easily given salary loss. But what do you think? Is that just the best route for them just to get a center mind wing and go into the playoffs with that? Um. I I think they need to get a bigger a big wing like either a Covington or a Jeremy Grant. Jeremy like Utah is my number one Jeremy Grant team. I really hope to see him in Utah. Um, I think you know I, I still believe in Utah as a potential uh, as a potential team to make it out the West and getting a guy like Jeremy Grant would really help that. Um, uh, a Lou Dort type, like I guess you could throw in Marcus Smart in that case too, because it's it's I I think I'm sure Marcus Smart's like in discussions. Uh, you know, if if they can get Lou Dort, I mean, I I just it might be a little easier to get Marcus Smart just because you know the, there's a it's easier to match salaries. They've got like they can trade like a Clarkson or a Joe Ingles, um, maybe you you attach Rudy Gay as well, but. With the with that contract, maybe you don't have to spend. I mean, OKC is just going to ask a lot for a lot of like they'll they'll ask for like I, I think two first round picks for Lou Dort. They're going to ask for something ridiculous, but uh, maybe you don't have to just pay it for uh, spend as many picks for like a Marcus Smart, uh, same type of player type. Yeah, and I, I completely forgot about Joe Ingles with that expiring contract. There's a lot of speculation that they might move off of him too because they can't afford to resign him. But I think given his age, they will be able to resign him because. I can't picture a lot of people giving a 34-year-old Joe Ingles like a three-year deal. So that's something we'll have to see. Yeah. But before we sign off, I want to remind you guys to use coupon code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. Also, to check out our pals in mybookie.ag, use code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign-up to unlock the positive match bonuses there as well. So, Yossi, where could people find your work? You can find my work on hoopshype.com, and you can find me on Twitter at Yossi Goslin, Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N.
Okay, and you guys can find me on Twitter at BirdRatesPod. I have my mock trade deadline, mock trade deadline article coming out beginning in next week on Sports Ethos's website. So be on the lookout for that. Yossi, thank you so much for coming on, and I will talk to you guys next episode. could have made a little bit more money this summer in free I agency. I think he could have got a lot more in the offseason. Uh-huh. You got a chance to secure the bag. You got to secure it, man. No question. Yeah.